0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my beautiful wife with a smile on her face, with a shirt that says blessed. Her name is... The
1: professional listener with a voice.
0: That's not your name.
1: That's what I am.
0: But that's not your name.
1: Say my name, say my name.
0: (laughs) You are the professional listener with a voice. But for those that don't know you, what is your official name?
1: Just Jen.
0: Now we call you the professional listener with a voice because Mm -hmm. you're you're the more shy one when it comes to the podcast. I
1: know. And
0: asking questions. Yes. You don't want to interrupt.
1: I'm I'm the one that's paying attention.
0: What? Yeah, you're taking notes too.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm like, paying attention. I feel like I'm at school.
0: Do you think I'm paying
1: attention? Yes, you are paying attention because you're the one who asks all the amazing, brilliant questions <laughs> that I'm like, where did that come from?
0: <laughs> See right there, that's what twenty bucks in her pocket will get you a an endorsement like no other. Twenty. Oh, what, what
1: can I buy for twenty dollars?
0: Was it a hundred? Do I need to give you a hundred?
1: Yeah, like the hundreds the minimum. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh paid endorsement. I paid my wife to endorse my questionability.
1: No, you're awesome. And if people are listening, which they are because they're listening right now, they know how awesome you are. No,
0: I yes. don't know. No. We're, yes. ju- we're just we're just doing our part. We're both we're I both know, but You
1: have a gift, and this is your gift.
0: Stop. You're a great talker. Stop. Your compliments will stick to me, and I don't want that. That's
1: another hundred bucks. What? That's another hundred bucks.
0: Really? Yeah. I'm losing money faster than flipping houses right now.
1: You're beautiful. That's another hundred bucks. (laughs) I like your hair today.
0: Oh my gosh. Another hundred bucks. I'm going to be broke by the end of the day. You keep going. (laughs) But I'll have a smile on my face and I will enjoy every moment. Keep going.
1: Okay. Um, You're super. Do you you like my beard? I do love your beard. I've sculpted it. Yeah. Did you do it yourself? No. Oh. Yeah. That's another hundred bucks. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> why because i did it myself yeah oh
1: because well. i said i liked your beard
0: well this is a, this is a radio program so nobody can see my face they say i yeah. have a face for radio
1: you do oh i just got rid of 100 bucks
0: yeah because that was not a compliment
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait does this work in reverse do i get a compliment you and i get money
1: no if i say something wrong then i have to give you 100 dollars back
0: oh or playing a game
1: yeah oh this is a great
0: game this is fun
1: yeah <laughs> Technically, I say way more nice things than I do not nice things. Yes, so.
0: you, you, I will, I will attest to the fact that you are a hope filled, positive, mm-hmm. faith filled person. Right. Your glasses always half full. Always, unless somebody really, 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 really tries. Yeah. To get under your skin.
1: And they kick it over.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kick over the house full, half full glass, and then yep. it's empty, and then you're going to show them what's what. Oh yeah. Of our kids, our kids are, are you know, I was always the disciplinarian in our mm-hmm. house, you know, like Jim would say, wait till your father gets home. You know, she would uh enforce her rule of law by threatening them with me, daddy coming home. Yes. I, w- I was the I was the disciplinarian. I don't but, have
1: time to discipline.
0: Well, here here's where I was going with that. Of the two of us, mm-hmm. they they weren't afraid of me. No. They'd be afraid of you, yes, because once you once you got tipped over that point, they had no idea what you were <laughs> capable of, and you showed them a couple times, like you had yep. they just they would just be running. they're like, oh, I'm scared of Mom, I don't dad they're, they're I, I know what I'm gonna get with Dad, but Mom, she's a wild card
1: <laughs> That's what they say, Mom, when Mom's upset, woo. We're afraid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, me too included in that, you know, after 26 years married <laughs> together and 31 years uh five we dated for 5 years so 31 years together. Man, that's crazy. 31 years.
1: I know. Like how did that happen? We're not even 30 yet. We
0: just stayed together and kept persevering. That's how it happens.
1: <laughs> That's true. No quit. That's true. It's Team a, no quit. It's all those compliments I keep giving you.
0: Oh, I know. My, <laughs> I, I'm I'm now smiling. My ego's bigger yep. and it's a good day.
1: It's always a good day. It's
0: a good day for joke time. Okay. You ready for jokes? I'm ready for jokes. All right. I, I think you're just so bubbly right now. I think you should go first.
1: You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Are you ready?
0: I am. Okay.
1: Okay, what's the bestest thing about Halloween?
0: What is the bestest thing about Halloween? I don't know. what. Why are you saying bestest? I don't know what the bestest thing about Halloween is. I don't
1: know, but you said it. What? You said bestest.
0: What? Oh, (laughs) is this part of the joke? Is this like a knock-knock joke?
1: Okay. (laughs) Who's there? (laughs) Yeah. Now I got to retell it.
0: Okay, go ahead. What's
1: the bestest thing about Halloween?
0: I have no idea.
1: The day after when all the candy goes on sale, all of it, it's clearanced out like 75% and then you can buy all the candy for cheap with my $100 bills I keep getting from you.
0: Was there a joke in there somewhere? Yeah. What's the joke?
1: I don't know. Jennifer! (laughs) You want me to tell them different (laughs) (laughs)
0: ones? I don't think that's a joke. You're asking me a question. That wasn't a joke. Okay. Well, there was no punchline.
1: Okay. Okay. I okay. was waiting
0: for the punchline.
1: Okay. Are you ready?
0: I, if you're this listening, so my you, joke. I, if you're confused, I'm with you.
1: <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. Okay. Why was the candy corn comedian booed off the stage?
0: I don't know. Why was the candy corn comedian booed? Off? That was like a tongue twister.
1: Why was the candy corn comedian booed off the stage? I don't know. Because all of his jokes were corny, (laughs) just like mine. (laughs) Uh, You know what I don't like?
0: Here's what I know I love you. Yes. You make me laugh. Okay. What do you not like?
1: I don't like candy corn. What? They're so gross.
0: Yeah. I kind of agree with you on that one.
1: I don't want candy corn in my trick or treat bag. I'm not a candy corn fan. Yes, I still trick or treat.
0: No, I'm not a candy corn fan either.
1: They're gross. Like, why do you make that?
0: I don't know. They're dumb. I, you're putting, you're putting a bad face on my face.
1: (laughs) I think you're putting your own bad face on your face. All right.
0: So here's my joke. What sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches?
1: Um, SpongeBob SquarePants. No. Who lives at the bottom of the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants.
0: No. What sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? What's your next answer? Do you know?
1: No. A nervous wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like a shipwreck.
0: Yes, like a shipwreck. I, I can't even speak today. No. And I'm a host of a podcast,
1: and I just the words aren't coming.
0: Come, I
1: just the words are not coming out of my
0: mouth right today, and I don't know what's going on.
1: You're making my brain hurt.
0: Well, hey, let's let's move on. Maybe if I get to an actual interview, maybe my flow will be better. Flow. Yeah, so I'm excited. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking with Georgia Green today. Okay. Okay, and Georgia has an incredible story of hope. It really begins. For her, as, as a young girl, primarily living with her dad and moving around the country, he was in the military, and then she had uh, a, a devastating turn of events happen to her when she was 17, and really kind of lost herself for nine years, mm-hmm. and then just went on this crazy, you know, incredible, just life-changing PCT trail journey. She, she literally went from Mexico to Canada which is 2,000 miles along the PCT Trail. It took her five months to do so, and she, she, she will talk about it being, you know, a life-changing experience for her.
1: That is definitely my dream.
0: I know. That's why I was excited to have her on and talk with her because, you know, like we, we've got this in the back of our heads kind of goal of doing the same. Like yeah. I'd love to be on that trail. Yeah. You know, adventure, mountains, water, trees, camping bears that's mountain lions
1: speaking my language except for the bears and mountain lions
0: <laughs> well i'm sure we're going to be able to get a chance to ask her all the questions but i'm excited to have her on should we call her up and get I, her on
1: i think we should
0: all right here we go all right i've got georgia green on the line welcome to the show georgia how are you today
1: Hey, I'm doing
2: so great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, we are certainly excited to have you on the show and happy to have you with us. And so for our audience, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? You know, are you married? you got any kids? Tell us a little bit about your personal life.
2: I am currently in Dallas and I say currently because, you know, as we'll get into it, but I've I've had kind of a nomadic experience for a while now. But landed in Dallas the last couple of years and uh, single, no kids, but I have, the most amazing fur baby that I adopted from the, uh, Korean dog meat trade.
0: Uh, so she's wow. had an interesting
2: journey and yeah. yes, yes. So busy with her, uh, therapy and, and, uh, rehab and it's amazing.
0: Well, you know, Jen's a bit of a nomad herself. She, she, <laughs> she titles it differently. She's a gypsy, you know, gypsy at heart, you know, that peace, Mom, love, 70 yeah. spirit. She, she's that like, if we could, you know, travel the country in a van and, and, uh, just live off the land. She would love that.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm with you. <laughs> I
2: love it. We be a gypsy squad. There you go. There, I that's like awesome.
0: that. Well, we were certainly excited uh, to have you on the show, just hearing some of your story. I know that you and I have spoken and, and uh, you shed some light on, on some of your story. And I just felt like it was an incredible story of transformation and hope and perseverance and so i'll let you unpack it for us but uh why don't you go ahead and start with you know what happened to you 16 17 years old you know your teenage years and i and i think that that really was the basis for your journey
2: a lot of times when people look at you know like what is the pivotal moment of your life we don't really know those until we look backwards For me, when I take a pause and I look back at why am I doing what I'm doing now and kind of that revelation aha moment, it started when I was younger and my dad was a Marine and I was definitely a daddy's girl. So everything dad did, I had to do. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so I grew up just kind of following in his footsteps and that's kind of the, you know, it was the service to others mentality. It was the discipline. It was the hard drive. And I definitely got that all from him. And When I was 17 years old, my father was murdered, and I remember just being in such a place of darkness at that time. I didn't have faith at that time. I was very isolated, I would say. Uh, just because of moving around a lot, because of my dad being a Marine and some other circumstances in my life, um, we moved around more times than I was years old. So my friend base was very many but shallow, I would say, and I didn't have a route to hold on to. So I felt very lost and um, in a very, very dark place. And I remember even one time uh, when I was sitting on my bed, it was shortly after my dad died, and I was just in tears. And I remember this feeling of warmth and light and like somebody was wrapping their arms around me. And I remember flinging my arms off and kind of looking around startled. And I said, all right, if that is you, God, I don't want anything to do with you because you took my dad.
0: Wow. I couldn't imagine what your feelings were at the time. And, you know, some of what you shared, you know, we don't need any details, but your dad died. He was killed protecting you. Yes, a, he was. Yeah. And, and a sibling, correct? You and somebody else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and,
2: it was me and my younger sister. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you experienced a very traumatic just loss not only was he your world your daddy's girls Jen, Jen always talks that I'll, I'll never know that because we have four boys you know yeah. and all all my boys are mama's yeah. boys and so she's like <laughs> you're not gonna know what it's like to have you know daddy's little girl and I, I said yeah this 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 is true I I mean I, you can't know what you don't know kind of thing but I can just imagine that you know being in the military that structure that discipline and moving around a lot like you you really only have your family Jen and I had a very kind of transient beginning to right. our childhood as well. Both her and I, before we even knew each other, you know, moved around a lot as kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the first five years I was in school, I, I made it through one year of school at one school yeah. the whole year. Yeah. You know, Jen had a, a similar experience. Mm-hmm. And so I know what you mean by kind of shallow, maybe having a lot of friends, but nothing deep, nothing that would come with years and yeah. years of being around somebody. So I could imagine that you you did feel lost and uh, overwhelmed. And so that's a really poignant moment I think when you when you talk about okay you're on your bed yeah. and all of a sudden you just you, you feel somebody tri- like these mm-hmm. this this feeling or this yeah. sense of of somebody wrapping their arms around you and then you just resisting that because you're angry and you're upset and you don't understand
2: yes 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 and that was just it is, is when you live that kind of lifestyle you learn to make friends quickly but not to hold on to them too tightly mm-hmm. so you learn this kind of the, the benefit is you learn a love without attachment. Uh, the downside is is that you don't know who you can go to in your, in your troubled times. And I think especially, and, and I almost think it's going, even getting worse, but I think that our society is not trained or isn't experienced. And how do you hold space for somebody who is dealing with something of such darkness? So typically when people go through darkness, people kind of avoid them because they don't know how to deal with it. So there's almost the shaming aspect or that you're, you're kind of being cast out. People don't know how to handle when you when you're 17 years old, you can't go to your another 17 year old kid and say, my father was just murdered, right? They don't, they don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to counsel you with that. So there was this very big period of darkness. But the reason that I, I touched on that is because it becomes clear later uh, in my journey. Like I said, we, we learn things looking backwards. And what I realized is the power of community, right? The power of holding space for people, the power of love and the power of nurturing others and doing life with each other and the need for that. And sometimes I think that we are trained in our society that, Oh no, I'm this independent woman and I don't need nobody. Mm, (laughs) And that's just false. It is false. And, uh, and we are designed to do life with each other. We are designed for community. And that that gets important later in my journey where I see this later.
0: Well, I think, I think to compound the issue, I think if you, if you take any 17 year old, you know, person, and look at what they're already dealing with. I mean, they're coming into adulthood; they're, they're dealing with all kinds of emotions, friend group, high school. I mean, that's a very volatile, tumultuous emotional mm-hmm. time in and of itself. Yeah. Throw in the horror of what you had to deal with, and I, I can only imagine it was it was like a nuclear bomb to your life. And and I get that. I yes. think I think yeah. Jen's that way. Like she she gets uncomfortable around you know, kind of really heavy, deep stories that oh, yeah. way she gets yeah, she doesn't know what to say we we, we call we joke around jen, jen is the professional listener with a voice she can interject when she wants to but sometimes when that when it's real heavy like she's just she doesn't know what to say she doesn't i'm
1: listening <laughs> you're listening but she's yeah. not yes.
0: she, she's not actively commenting and, and and i can understand that it's hard to know what to say to somebody uh-huh. that's gone through something like that right you know
2: yes yes And because there is nothing that can be said. And sometimes I think that powerful listening is exactly what is needed, Yeah. right? Because we're fixers and we want to solve it for somebody, but there's no way to solve for this. There's no way to make sense of this, you know? And it's interesting too, because in addition to this, what I struggled with was knowing that my dad died to protect me. There was a strong sense of guilt. So I not only lost my father and was dealing with that, but I felt like he died and it was all my fault. And I didn't have the processing to, to help me deal with that, to help me understand what was really happening and why was I alive and he was gone and how I would have wanted to trade places with him. Right?
0: You know, in psychology, I think that's the classic survivor's guilt. Yeah. You know, it like, is. why yeah. did I make it? He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we, right. we've had quite a few right. guests on that have. Touched or talked about that. And, and I think that's a natural process. And I think what was probably more difficult for you is not having faith at that time. You know, like how did you, how did you weather that? You know, cause like I, I, yeah, I can I, only imagine how difficult it was. Like, how did you weather that, that season?
2: You know, honestly, uh, not well. So I went through a period of time. Uh, for several years, I was in a very deep, dark depression. I was in counseling, uh, and I was cutting myself because I couldn't even feel the physical pain. Mm-hmm. And, but it was a distraction from the emotional pain. Uh, so I scars uh, around my body dealing with that. I, um, had attempted suicide two times. I was brought to the hospital twice with attempted suicide. Um, I fell into drinking, hanging around the wrong people, making all the wrong choices. And then suddenly I I kind of had this low, I wouldn't even call it an awakening, but just starting to question, why am I alive, right? And I remember, uh, you know, so my story of faith was interesting. I was moving and uh, ordered pizza for all the people who were helping me move and there was an advertisement that was on the pizza box. And it was, you know, are you in a period of darkness? Are you this? Are you that? And I was checking off the boxes. And I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. This this advertisement speaking directly to me. And it said, well, we invite you to church on Sunday. And I went to this church and it was uh, actually held in a middle school, which I loved because that was a really baked home for me. That church was not about the building. It was about the people. And it really felt to me like, uh, you know, I had avoided church before because I was a mess, right? So people like me don't go to church because all I saw was in church was that all these people looked nice and they looked like they had it all together and that was not me. And so I didn't go there because I thought that that's not where I go. That's where other people go. But seeing this in a church was in a building that was just in a school, I felt like it, I was less intimidated and I thought maybe I could go there. And then through that process of talking with the pastor and his wife and they were sitting me down in their living room and just counseling me in in the most amazing way and really getting through to my spirit and helping me heal in ways that even traditional counseling did did not right it, it, they they were able to really speak into my pain and really help me to find that sense of peace and through that process I found faith but the reason so I'm a I'm a very logical linear science type person. And I got really into apologetics and I sort of came to faith by losing the argument in the sense that I found that science supported faith, but it was my dad's story that really helped me understand it. That why would somebody die for us? Right. Why would somebody choose to give their life in the most horrific way? And, and out of that really helped me not only understand my faith, but helped me to understand my dad's death. And it was through that process that it gave me life again. Wow. So I, yes, I felt like if my dad died to protect me, to make sure that I could live, then why was I not truly living my life? And that I was, if I went on to truly live, to truly thrive, then that is his legacy. And then his death meant something. But if I sat there wallowing in it, then the person who killed my dad also killed me. So I made a choice in that to say, I am going to choose to live today because that was a gift that was given to me. My dad gave life to me twice. Right? And, and that is what God did for us as well. And that's why I understood that is that we were born for a purpose. And every day that we are not out chasing it, then we are dishonoring that death.
0: In talking with you originally, I did not make that connection, but I can see how powerful that connection would be because you could share empathy to the story of Jesus based on what you Mm -hmm. went through yourself and then draw parallels between the two. Like he gave his life so that we could live, so that we could have eternity, so that we could be saved. You know, And here your dad did the same thing. And so to draw those parallels and have somebody come alongside you and uh, maybe show you that, that's really, really yes. powerful.
2: Yes, yes. So it helped me to not only make sense of of faith, but also in my dad's death. And through that, I really, truly found peace and healing. But it also gave me a fire for life. And from that, I started to see things with a whole new fresh eyes about what is life? What are we meant to live for? And it's very clear that uh, the purpose of life and it's called, you know, the great commandment love God, love others. Right. So, so it is simply to love, right? So our, why are we created? Why are we alive? Cause I went through that question, you guys, I went through this question of why am I alive so much, right? What is the purpose of life? And I think that all of us to some degree do it. Mm-hmm. And we ask, why are we here? It's not simply to survive. It's not simply to go from A to B, to go from, you know, the, your birth date to your death date. And, and, and sometimes I think that we go through the motions and we're just surviving, but we are called to truly live. And what does living look like is simply to love, to love others and to help them live out their purpose of love. And and how you do that is according to your own talents and skills and passions, but it's to use those to help others to love and and live abundantly. And so what I started to kind of make the connection was is, is the reason that I was here, the reason that I was saved, the reason that... I was given life twice was to help others live their life. So I started looking around and I'm seeing people going through the motion, but I started to see them for who they were meant to be, what they were created to be. I started to see these little glimpses of what's just buried inside of everybody that's buried underneath what everybody says, society says that they should be, and they're not living out what they were meant to be. And I want to help people unbury that and come alive again without having to die physically, right? So helping them to really just say, I am alive and not take that for granted. I am alive and I am wanting to live on purpose and and help people really fully thrive. And by that then, you know, my death, that's, that's his legacy too, right? And we all have this sense of influence and legacy and we're living our legacy in the people that we influence. Yeah. people who whose lives that we we it's not in the it's not in our death it's in it's in how we live our lives
0: so tell us a little bit about that's awesome by the way tell us a little bit about how what the journey was like to get there so your your father was was murdered when you were 17 how long did it take yeah. before you came full circle to be able to share what you just shared you know this understanding about your purpose in life etc was it Three years? Was it five years? You know, what was what was the timing of that kind of journey and that realization?
2: Yeah. So I actually didn't even know who Noah was until I was twenty six years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from seventeen to twenty six, I was a, I was lost, I was a mess, and um, just in in a complete darkness. And at twenty six, I started to come out of it. And just for reference, I'm forty now. And at uh, you know, so at the time when I was 26, I started to really feel alive when I was serving other people. So when I was helping other people, so I, I got involved in, um, you know, I was a director of women's ministries for my church. I was a ninth through twelfth grade girls' a youth mentor, and developed curriculum and helping people through that. And one common thing that I kept seeing holding people back was some level of fear. So it was, so, so me, I'm, you know, with this newfound perspective of life, right? I'm going, why are you not living your life? And I kind of wanted to shake people and say, come alive, come alive! Like, what is wrong with you? And 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 I'm going, why are you not? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not living to your potential? Why are you not loving your life? Why are you dealing with things that you don't like? Why are you, you know, why are you hitting this snooze button? Because you might die at five o'clock tonight. If I told you you'd die at five o'clock, would you still hit your snooze button? Like, come on! And I and I started to realize that people were genuinely afraid of, of something, right. But it wasn't even physical things. You know, you can have a, you know, fear of spiders, you can have a fear of heights even. Right. But there was this deeper rooted fear and it was a fear of lack of acceptance. Right. So sometimes people go through the motions and they just do what everybody else does because they don't want to step out. Nobody wants to step out into anything because they're going to lose their tribe. So going back to why I was saying community is so important it's because of your sense of survival. It's your sense of being, it's your sense of identity is wrapped up in your tribe. And, and so people are afraid of not being accepted, of not being well liked. So they just kind of go with the flow and, and they're afraid to step out of that. So they're going to do what everybody else does. And, and they're afraid of rejection. They're very afraid of abandonment, right? So, so for me, that was a strong part of my therapy was a fear of abandonment because, you know, even because my father wasn't there. Right. And because I had to leave school all the time, I was afraid of losing friends. I was afraid of this. So, so a lot of my fear of abandonment would hold me back from connecting, truly connecting with people. So everybody has their own sense of whatever that fear based um, thing is. And, and it got me curious, how do we all have the same sense of fear and then what are we going to do with it? And how do we overcome it? And fear, what I found was just another emotion. It's a tool that we're given to give us information that says, Hey, have you accounted for this? But what we do is we feel fear and we back away from it. And, and I found that that sense of fear that deeply rooted, um, the, the kind of conclusion that I came to, and I'll talk about that journey a little bit is, um, that fear, the opposite of fear is encouraged. The opposite of fear is love. So the more that you are, you know, so why did my dad die? Right? So my dad faced this horrible, incident a person and ended up facing death in the sense that he would be willing to choose it because love was stronger than the fear of going in there and facing it right so you think of jesus on the cross what you know that fear he knew what he was facing and he still went and did it why did he do that it was love so i hold that that love is the opposite of fear the more that you're moving towards love the more you move away from your fear And, and fear doesn't have that same power over you. So, so I started figuring all of this out and it was kind of all fragmented. And I, and, and I wanted to kind of in a way prove this theory. And so I said, if I can overcome every single fear that I've ever heard in some big monumental way, somehow combine them all, then surely I can find the answers and then teach people how to overcome their fear. And maybe by that they would fully come alive and live their life. And, live on purpose. Right. So all of the fears I'd heard, right. So the, the fear of, you know, a lot of times I hear, I hear women say this especially is, you know, the fear of never having done something before doing it alone. Um, We have financial fears. We have fears of having commitments to our family. So sometimes we'll say, we're not going to do something because, you know, that's going to be selfish, right. Fear of it being accepted in the sense of your career, fear of it being accepted in your sense of your tribe. And so all of these fears, I combined them in in one way, which was you know there's probably a million different ways to do this, but I decided that I was going to solo hike from Mexico to Canada. So I, which is a up-
0: two thousand mile. Journey. You're talking about the PCT yeah. trail like now, now, now Jen, yes. Jen, Jen's got a big smile on her face because she's always wanted to do <laughs> the PCT trail. What, what an endeavor, but to do it alone, that, that's, that's yeah. a challenge. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I've never done anything like this before. At at heaviest with the biggest water carry that I had, it was a fifty-four pounds backpack. I only weighed one hundred (laughs) and thirty-five pounds. So how? And and I'm like walking into the wilderness by myself. I'm a walking target. And uh, you know. So wait, so so wait,
0: but before you get into it, like, were were you a hiker before? Did you like the outdoors? Were you like the like a the tomboy girl? Like, I mean, did you like that rough adventure and mountains and?
2: (laughs) No, nothing like. Nothing like that. I mean, I enjoyed kind of day hiking, but I had never hiked more than like, say, five miles. And I certainly <laughs> never backpacked and oh camped overnight in the gosh. wilderness and never by myself. I was never more than, you know, a couple of hours away from the car, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so to, to say I'm going to load this up. And once you're in, you're in. I mean, you're in there for five to seven days at a time. And there's no, you know, there's no really going backwards. You can't, you're, you're in it. So I, you know, and, and I didn't just jump into it like the movie, The Wild, you know, she kind of just jumped into it. <laughs> that's
0: that's kind of the vision I had. I, thought, I could just see yes, you walking yes. off into the, into the forest, you know, here, never done it before. Yes. I hadn't hiked more than five miles yeah. or two hours from a car, but I'm going to go 2000 <laughs> miles over five months as my wow. big adventure. Can wow. you imagine, Jen? Uh, you
1: know, I, yes and no. I will say, yeah, yeah, I will say I've
2: always been the type of person where I say, I've never done that before. So clearly I must be able to do it. <laughs> like I, so I just figured it out. Right. So I, you know, if that goes with that fear based thing again is right, you've never done it before. So interestingly, okay, so let me ask you this question. When you are a kid, and you try something and you don't like it, what's what's that called? Uh, it might be like exploring right? yeah yeah like, you're, like
0: you're i mean you're just you're just things out right? yeah you're testing trying you know figuring, figuring yourself out figuring yeah. out if you like it or not like i think yeah. you're still as a kid you're yeah. just still not aware of who you are fully yeah. and so yeah you're going to try all kinds of different things
2: right so now let me ask you this question as an adult if you try something and and you quit what what are you now
0: now you're a failure you're
2: you're, now, you're a failure right so <laughs> that's what that that's happen? what people say yeah that's what people say, right? So, so what, what I see is adults tend to not do stuff they've never done before. But when you're a kid, you've nothing you know it, you've ever done before. <laughs> everything, yeah. is new, yeah, right? everything is new.
0: Yeah, everything is new adventures. So
2: somewhere, yeah. So somewhere along the line, we decided that you can't do something unless you've done it before, which is just crazy. That's so illogical. Mm-hmm. But yet we do it, right? So, so for me, I challenge that by always trying to do something I've never done before. And if I don't like it, then great. Now I know I don't like it, but I've at least tried it. So this was a bit of that, right? So, hey, I don't know if I really like backpacking by myself, but I'm going to try it. But I, but I went into it smart, right? So I actually did eight months of planning. So I studied it a lot. And you guys, I did have to work from the trail too. So I actually ended up uh, shipping my computer ahead. And then, so I had to work out the logistics of that. That was part of the overcoming the fear was the career aspect of it. And, um, you know, so, so I went into it smart, but that is one lesson that I learned was you have to go into things smart and you have to make a plan. But you, you don't hold on to it too tightly because you can't think of every single possibility, but also you don't want to because you're going to miss out on all of the beautiful things that end up coming to you. And if you just have your head down on the path and you're just marching and you're going with the thing, that's that's not only is that ego, and not only is that a, a fear of failure, but it's also going to keep you from the beauty that's trying to get into you. So you're so you're actually blocking things that are trying to get in when you do that. Now so I, have a, I learned along this journey is to, is to make plans that don't hold on to them too tightly.
0: I have a question for you about your tribe. So the people that knew you, yes. the people that loved you, what did they think about this? Because yeah, let's go back to what you were saying about fear before, because I, I think that there's I think there's a lot of people that are more inclined to want to do something that they've never done before. But when they oftentimes explain it to their family or their friends, they're talked out of it by those other people's yes. fears. You know what I mean?
2: You got or, it. Or maybe it's it. not, exactly maybe it's right. not
0: fears of the other people. Sometimes sometimes people are intimidated by change. Sometimes people are intimidated yeah. by somebody rising above their current level and striving for a new level, a new, a new adventure. And so I'm just curious how your tribe responded to this idea of you never hiking before, never really kind of doing this, n- never having anything comparable at all in scale to what you're about to do. Did they try to talk you out of it? Did they instill fear in you? Like, What was that process like?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful question. And, and I think you nailed it is the majority of the time people give advice from their own frame of reference, right? They don't think about the other person and what, what they are experiencing, right? So we give it according to our own capabilities and limitations, right? So I, I, I understood that. And actually what I, part of fear that I realized is that going back to fear is disinformation. So fear is trying to say, you know, have you accounted for this, right? So fear tells us the worst possible scenario. And I thought, if I can solve for that worst possible scenario, then it's possible to solve for everything else between here and and there as well, right? So I actually went to people and interviewed them and said, "Hey, help me create my fear list. So what I did was I took out a piece of paper and I drew a line down the middle of it. and on the left side, I wrote fear, and on the right side, I wrote solution. So I asked them to help me fill out my fear sheet. So I said, What should I be afraid of? And let me tell you, they were more than happy to tell me all of the things that I should be afraid of. So
0: Jen, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Hold on, Jen. What's the first thing that comes to your mind about fears of a 2000 mile hike?
1: Uh, Wild animals. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say bears or mountain lions. That was going to be her thing.
2: Yep. 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 So I, so what I did was I said, okay, well, you know, so we'll take bears and mountain lions, for example. I don't know anything about bears. I don't know anything about mountain lions. So I had to go do research, right? So what's the solution? What do you do when you need a bear on the trail? What do you do when you find a lot of mountain lion? Right? So, how do you avoid those things? How do you how do you spot the, uh, you know, what do their footprints look like? What are the signs that there is one in the area? What do you do if you encounter one? Um, what do you do if you are attacked? Right. So, uh, that went on my solution side. But the other thing to do is when you talk to people about your plan, they try to talk you out of it. But when you ask them the fear and solution aspects. Now your mind goes into a different mode, right? So instead of saying I can't or I shouldn't, it goes into how might I, how can I? And so when you talk to people about your fears, it puts their brain into a different mode, but it also helps you to forward think rather than being stuck or shrinking back. So a lot of them did, you know, and there were some people who were like, yeah, this is a fun game. Let's fill out the fear sheet, you know, and we were getting ridiculous, like running out of coffee. Right. Like, <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's that's, that's hey, that's um, right <laughs> up on the top of the list. I'll tell you that. Oh, man. So uh, but there were some people who were like, Georgia, this is career suicide. Right. Because you're a business person. And the only two things you're allowed to do as a business person is do marathons or play golf. Right? You're not allowed to live in the wilderness for five months. That's
0: and what, and what was your People business at the time? To,
2: yeah. So I was doing consulting. So I was in the accounting finance arena and organizational development doing consulting. So I worked a lot with C-suite, VP level, doing sort of project management type stuff. And so, you, you know, very suited up. Right. So yeah. now you can imagine I'm on the trail. And like I said, I set my computer ahead. And I'm doing board presentations through Skype and I'm covered in, I only had one shirt, right? So it's covered in who knows what. And I'm like, you guys are just lucky you can't smell through Skype because it's real bad. But they got the biggest kick out of it. They loved it. They loved hearing the journey. So instead of them not taking me seriously, it started to give people this little spark of, well, what what are the things that I want to do in my life? that I'm not doing right. Maybe they don't want to go, you know, hike 2000 miles, but maybe there's something in them that they want to do that wouldn't otherwise be socially acceptable. And now I'm pushing the envelope. I'm showing them that. it's Okay. So the, the fear of it was career suicide, um, was so ingrained in me that even after I got off the trail and I had this huge accomplishment, I didn't even talk about it because I didn't want it to be known. I thought, okay, well, once people knew this, they were going to think that, you know, I was, you know, my biggest fear was that they were going to think I was unreliable or whatever, but it it turned out the opposite. They said, you know, wow, this is a really great accomplishment. And if you can do that and work, then, you know, what can you do in an office?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that, you know, That's, that's, that's incredible insight. I I could, I could see how people would be drawn to that because it's so not what you would expect. But as soon as you hear how much preparation you you took into it and and as soon as you're there and you're present and you're still doing your job, they're just like, whoa, like if she could do it, maybe I could do something powerful outside of my comfort zone, unusual, different, you know, striving to uh, be better than I was before.
2: Well, and I have to tell you that I learned so much along this trail that that actually relates to the real world, that relates to the business world, that relates to community life, right? So there are so many lessons in there where, uh, you, you know, the biggest one that I can tell you is you never know who you are when you are constantly doing the same thing every day. Because you are never put in a position to reveal your character, to reveal who you really are. So in this situation, you know, not so. Not I won't belabor the story, but the, a short version of it is at one point I got stuck. I was in the desert, you guys. And I got stuck in a freak snowstorm at the top of the mountain. So it went from 100 degrees down to 4 degrees. Oh, wow. And I was stuck outside in 4 degrees dressed for dressed for the desert. But I ended up boiling water and putting it in my coat, you know, in my chest, right? Because I figured, okay, well, my heart is located there. So if I can keep that warm, then that'll keep my blood warm. I set an alarm and I was doing jumping jacks every hour. I put all of my electronics in with with me against my chest to keep it warm so that my batteries and my lifelines were not going to freeze. Nobody taught me that, right? Nobody said, hey, Georgia, if you're ever stuck out in the winter at four degrees, here are the things that you should do, right? But I was stuck in that situation and I used my critical thinking skills. But when you're doing the same thing over and over every single day, because it's comfortable, you don't ever get tested, right? You don't ever get to see what you actually can figure out. You don't have to use your critical thinking skills. You don't have to use your figuring it out skills, right? So you have so much within you. And I think that a lot of times when people suffer from self-confidence issues, it's actually because they've never been put in a position to where they've they've had to see who they truly are. And the best way to do that is to make yourself uncomfortable. So I'm not saying you have to go put yourself in four degrees, but I am saying that you have to do something in your life that makes you uncomfortable and you have to almost get excited about it. And instead of being in a position of being discomfort and saying, why is this happening to me? But being uncomfortable and saying, what is this teaching? Right? me? What yes. is this revealing in me? What is this showing me? And who am I? And you will start to realize that you have everything that you need already buried inside of you. And now it's just being able to bubble to the top. And you have to have comfort in that and realize that. And once you do that, you are limitless. You are absolutely limitless. You can do anything because every little tiny thing that stretches you a little bit more is going to reveal or strengthen or teach you and prepare you for the next thing. Yes. So if you're going through these moments of darkness, it actually is showing you who you are and preparing you for the next greatest thing in your life.
0: That right there, you, you just perfectly summarized 2020. You perfectly summarized the pandemic this year. Mm -hmm. I feel like as one faith person to another, I feel like God is shaking us all up. He's rattling our cage. He's rattling our normality And getting us into a situation where we're uncomfortable, we are all dealing with something that we've never dealt with before, you know, restaurateurs, gym owners, you know, now everything's virtual zoom kids at school like this is the year of getting outside your comfort zone. So I sit here and wonder, you know, like, why is this happening? You know, what, why is this happening to us? Well, sometimes it's not happening to us. Sometimes it's happening for us. And what are we supposed to learn out of this? And I think a lot of people, whether they wanted it or not, whether they saw this as an opportunity to grow and stretch or not, they're being forced into a situation where they have to do that critical thinking as a business owner. Am I going to be able to pivot? How do I change? How do I adapt to what's going on right now? Everybody is yeah. dealing with some form of change, and for some that can be overwhelming. Yeah. For others, it's refreshing. But the reality of is, nobody is going to be the same. You know.
2: That's it. That's it. That's you know. So so paralleling it is, we are all now on top of the mountain in four degrees freezing <laughs> and not knowing if we're going to survive this night. Yes. Right? So, you, but the thing is, is that there there are. Some people, you know, you've got that fight, flight, or freeze mode when, when you're shaken up like that, right? So some of us are just kind of freezing and then we're waiting for it to be over. Some of us are fighting and you see that in the emotional reactions of people. And, and your character will be revealed when you're shaken up a little bit, right? And some of us will, will, will end up kind of saying, okay, I'm going to figure out that I have everything within me. So what can I do? So instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to wait for this to be over, instead of saying, hey, you know, why is this happening? It's about adapting and saying, okay, what can I do now? Right? And, and, and who do I want to be on the other side of this? Because that's, that's truly what every single day of our life really is. This is just been shaken up and showing us that in a different way, in a, in a bigger way.
0: Now, you you did a lot of self-reflection. You did a lot of thinking. I can only imagine after five months on your own... 2,000 miles, that had to have been a transformative journey from a faith perspective, from a resilience perspective. I guess I'm curious, did you journal every day? Like how did did you, and then then something magical and and awesome was created out of this, which is what you're doing now. So I want you to be able to touch on that. But like, how did you make sure that you squeezed the, the most wisdom and benefit out of that experience as, as possible?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in full transparency, the first part of the journey, uh, I was doing it because I said I was going to do it. So going back to, you know, being a daddy's girl, being the daughter of a Marine, my word meant everything to me. So I wanted, I wanted people to know that if I said I was going to do this, and I was going to make it to Canada, I I would rather die than not hold my word. (laughs) So the first The first say 500 miles or so, I really didn't have fun. I really was, I'm on a mission. I'm going to get there in the most efficient way possible. And even the people that I found along the way, um, that I was, you know, you'd, you'd see people out on the trail, you would see people in town. I was really kind of just set on, I'm going and I don't even have time to talk with these people. Like I'm just, I'm just gone and wasn't having fun. And somewhere along the line, I said, you know, it's kind of just one of those moments of reflecting, you know, so when you're walking for 13 hours a day, you have a lot of time to just think and reflect on experiences. And I started to realize that, you know, sometimes we get so stuck in the destination that we miss everything on the way there. So you think about that, even in our day-to-day lives, it's about getting the degree. It's about getting the job title. It's about climbing the corporate ladder. And once we get there, we're going to be happy. And once we get there, it's going to be this. So we're very destination focused. And I kind of at one point I said, you know what? It's not about, I did not set out to go to Canada. I set out to help kind of understand fears and, and where that came from. And I set out to to realize the, the meaning of life and the purpose of life and, and how do we get there? So I that, said, so that's really my destination. And kind of once I kind of came to that realization, that's when I started to enjoy it. And when I started to just give up on, if I don't make it, then that's fine. Uh, and, and letting, like I said, letting go of the need for, um, for success or or redefining what success looks like. And I really started to enjoy myself. I really started to have fun. And that's really where a lot of those, those introspective moments happened. So I did journal along the way. A lot of my journal was, um, you know, journaling was just more of what is being refined in me. And how might I use my skills and my passions and my, and my history, my experience and what happened to me to help other people. So I do believe that there's beauty from ashes. And the way that that happens is when we use the horrible things that happen to us to help somebody else in their journey. And by that, then those horrible things are not wasted. And I thought, how can I do this? And I just kept praying along the way. And I remember somewhere along the journey, I started to kind of just see visions of um, helping people and speaking to people and they got to be so great that I sat down on a rock and I literally just started writing. And even the name BU started to come to me is how do you, how do you live your purpose? And we're so caught up in things and possessions and destinations, but really it's just about being. So the more that you are who you are, and you end up influencing people around you without you even trying, right? So even look at my dad and what he did. He didn't set out to, to create in me a certain type of person. He just was being who he was. But that influenced me. So his, his actions influenced me, which is now influencing other people. Because more things are caught than taught. So just you being you, you end up unintentionally teaching somebody else That they pick up and now they are a better person for having interacted with you. And then they spread that. Right. So, so the whole idea was how do we then start kind of this revolutionary movement around being and having this purpose driven life. So living intentionally, living on purpose with passion and fully thriving. And with that, when you are alive and thriving you bring that to your families, you bring that to your communities, you bring that to your workplaces, and everybody is better for it. So and every, and everybody's rise.
0: inspired by it. Yeah. You know, they see that example. Yes. And, I, and, I, and I feel like like I connect to that so much. I think that that's very, very um, just impactful. I think it's it, it resonates with us because as you're speaking, I feel like that's kind of been our journey with the Hope Radio podcast. I was in financial services for 22 years, and I can honestly say I really didn't feel like I was living my purpose why i'm here until this year until the podcast started until you know we're coming alongside other people to try to offer hope to to others in the midst of this trying time this this challenging time and it wasn't until i really had this altruistic you know, let, let's just come alongside our, our fellow humans right now in this, in this very difficult time that I really felt connected to. Maybe this was why I was here. Maybe this is why I'm, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like that, that resonates. I th- I feel like that comes through our effort here. And I, and I think that that's exactly what you're talking about. Like just be you. We were all put here for a reason. We all have gifts and talents. We all have, have our own personalities and, and just being yourself in love, coming alongside our fellow man, I think that that's a that's a beautiful world to live in.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that if we can just remember to love and be loved, and and if you look, if I, I the thing that I would challenge people is, if you look at the times when you were truly happy, I guarantee you it was in a time when you were serving someone else, and I believe that's because you are now aligned with your sense of purpose. So we overcomplicate it. And and I think we even overcomplicate it in the sense of, you know, we think about what is my purpose? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my, you know, and, and people will question that. And if I were to release you by saying, I believe your purpose is to love and be loved. We all have the same universal purpose. Now, how are you going to execute that? So it's not a matter of what is your purpose. It's a matter of how are you going to execute it? What are you doing? Right? And are you living intentionally? Are you living on purpose? in in loving other people and serving other people and the more that you do that the happier that you're going to be
0: oh well said well said this is this is awesome this has just been an absolute awesome fest wouldn't you say you like <laughs> an that
1: awesome fest. <laughs> this is uh,
0: jen, jen would say totally rad this yeah. has been this has been awesome no i i, I think i love it I, I i just think you've got uh, some great hope nuggets in there. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, you're, you're dealing hope like no other. So I, I really appreciate that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, a lot of times that, you know, the one thing that I will caution with people is sometimes they will hear stories of people and they'll say, well, I didn't have my big revelation moment. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my moment of having to sit on a rock. I didn't have my, you know, some big catastrophic event." But what I want to challenge people is that you don't need to have that. You don't need to wreck your life and come out of it to have a revelation. You don't need to go up on a mountain to have a revelation, mm-hmm. right? It's already within you. So it's just about being who you are. So be more you, be you and <laughs> you'll yeah. <will> find it <laughs> I,
0: th- I think I think it's I think it's I think the secret is is, is self-reflection yeah. I think it's I think it's that quiet yeah. space I think that you there's so much noise there's so much distraction there's so much of an ability to get lost in the white noise of, of life I think To your point, you know, you don't have to go through something traumatic, but these traumatic events often create an an opportunity for people to self reflect. There's often a processing that comes along with that. So if you take out the catastrophic event and just go, okay. Let me, let me find a quiet pace. Let me consistently just look inward and listen. You know, what, what is the purpose of my life? What am I good at? What are my talents? What are my, you know, what, what am I passionate about? They say that you're doing what you were purposed to do on this planet. When, when you're passionate about it, when time flies by, when it doesn't ever feel like it's work, you know, that's, that's when you are living with purpose. That's when I'm
1: on the
2: beach. Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, Yes. Yes. Being outside. Yes. It yes. helps. It helps. Yes. You know, there's another question that I will ask people when they say, well, how do I know what my purpose is? I will ask them what breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. So if you look at what you look at, people who are truly living a passionate life, they're solving for the very thing that breaks their heart. So for me, the thing that breaks my heart is watching people who have so much inside of them, that so much amazing greatness, awesomeness, awesome sense <laughs> inside of them that is just buried, buried under darkness, buried under everything. People said that they should be buried under expectations, buried under fear, It's buried in there. And that breaks my heart mm. to see what the world could have as a gift if they were fully alive and so for me my sense of purpose and my passion is to help people become unburied so i would ask you what breaks your heart and then how you execute that is to solve for the thing that breaks your heart and now you're going to be living on purpose
0: well said, Georgia. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your truth. This has just been, uh, you know, a hope-filled hour-long uh, session about purpose and living on purpose. And I, I just love it. Thank you so much for your for your information, your wisdom, and, and your story.
2: Uh, well, thank you for having me. But also, you guys, just thank you for providing the outlet for people to share their stories. And I think that the more that people share, the more it frees other people up to do the same. So you guys are living your purpose and, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much. And, and uh, yeah, continue to, to live by example, because I think you're changing people's lives. And I think that you're an inspiration, certainly to us and those that are listening. And uh, if they want to connect with you, how do they do so?
2: Yeah, so you can find me. It's BU Revolution, B E U, that stands for Butterfly Effect University. So BU And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at BU Revolution. Oh,
0: Thank cool. you so much, Georgia. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Have a great day. And uh, we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Jennifer.
1: Yes. I'm calling
0: you Jennifer. What did you think about that interview?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: What Just- about, I mean, like her, I don't know where to begin, but just like the the story of what she went through and how she was challenged and and losing her dad and then being lost. I mean, I think a lot of people will encounter huge, significant adversity in their life and they can relate to like having that adversity really just you know up them yeah. and it's kind of hard to find i imagine kind of like in a wave like since we just got back from mexico i imagine being in a wave and when she described that seven eight nine years that she was kind of lost imagine being tossed and turned and you have no idea what which way is up yeah. that just that's the analogy the visual analogy that she gave me with her story but wow yeah and then hiking the pc trailer i
1: know she's incredible like i know she's goals yeah right there
0: Uh, fascinating, Uh, you know, just this idea. She'd never done it, never hiked five miles really Mm -hmm. before that, but you're going to do a 2000 mile (laughs) journey and I, yeah, I know. And (laughs) and I just think that's the type of person she is. And I, and I, and I love that. But then this acknowledgement that she really had to, the journey itself had to mold her Mm -hmm. and shape her you know, initially it was just about getting it done. She said the first 500 miles, like the first quarter of it was, she's just pursuing, you know, like not, not enjoying the journey, right. Just trying to get through the journey, you know, and then she let it change her, you know, fascinating.
1: You know, it's, it's funny because what I got out of that, like something that she said was like, just resonated with me. And I think about this all the time. Like, what is your passion? You know, people ask me all the time, what is your passion? And I really don't know. Like I just kind of do life. And the way that she described it made me really think, she said, whatever breaks your heart is your passion. Yeah. So it left me uh, thinking like, yeah, "Hmm."
0: like solving that problem. Something that, that, that breaks your heart. heart. That's, where yeah. you need to to focus. Which, we've, we've talked about that before, yeah. you know, like for example, like there's something in your spirit, you like caring for mm-hmm. women that have been abused sex or sex trafficked or yes. whatever. That's, that's like, it. That breaks your heart. Yeah. Well, so maybe that's part of your purpose. I know. Maybe, maybe that little, that little hope nugget she gave you is going to help you find your purpose. I love that. And I hope somebody listening, that little hope nugget helps them. I thought that was brilliant. I mm-hmm. I agree.
1: It's an easy way to, you know, it's an easy way to figure it out.
0: Yeah, you know, well, it certainly helps you narrow the choices, right? Right. right. You know, like right. you could have several different things that break your heart, but the idea of, you know, narrowing mm-hmm. the choices through that, I, th- I thought yeah. that was awesome, and I think, you know, for the benefit of of our listeners, you know, to go to her bu revolution Mm -hmm. b-e-u the letter u revolution which she shared with us i didn't even realize this is butterfly effect university revolution yeah i love that so uh people can go check her out there at b -B b-e-u revolution.com yeah yeah and then uh learn more about what she's got going on and her mission and you know what she's trying to do Mm -hmm. i think she's just trying to help people find their passion and i love that
1: yeah me too it's awesome
0: so, how do people hear more of our podcast? And then, how do they connect with us? People can connect with us, Jen, if they want to.
1: I know. It's crazy. Well, you can hear more on iTunes and Spotify, Spotify. and Google Play and all the things
0: oh, Amazon Alexa. Yes. SoundCloud. Yes. Hope Radio Podcast, that's all you're going to do.
1: Yep, it's easy.
0: And then we have a Facebook and an Instagram.
1: And Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast.
0: And if you're so inclined, you love the show, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating on yes. Apple iTunes uh, podcast app.
1: If you've made it this far through the show, then please <laughs> go do it now.
0: Are you questioning people's ability to make it through our show?
1: Well, I don't know. I It's hard for me Squirrel. to say still. <laughs> you never know you never know I mean this was a show that you're not going to want to turn off
0: no absolutely not and here's what I do know Hmm. I am so hope filled so inspired by what she shared that I think we should do another interview tomorrow
1: I like the way you think
0: do you? yes let's do it okay